Well, good morning again to all of you who are joining us online. Uh, we're so pumped and excited that you're with us today. And we are continuing in a series that we are calling Be the Counterculture Church. Uh, and in this series, we've taken a look at a letter, a couple of letters that actually a man named Paul wrote to a city in Corinth. And what we've said is that there are some values, some messages that come from our culture, good and bad. And then that there's some values that we need to cling to in regards to the gospel. And so we should be living our lives with the filter of the gospel. Now we're going to continue that series today, but before we do that, I think I need to tell you a little bit about myself to kind of help you understand a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. What you need to understand about me is this. I hate reading emails. It's really bad. I mean, if they're really short in one sentence, that's beautiful. You can send me those all the time. If you've sent me a long email, I loved yours. I loved your email. It's just everyone else's I didn't like. And here's the deal. There's someone that I work with here at Calvary Church, um, Joyce Schellenberger. She writes the longest emails I've ever seen in my life. They're about seven, eight, nine pages long. And when I used to be the children's pastor here at Calvary Church, uh, Joyce and I would work uh, more closely than we do now. And she would write these chapter books for an email to me. And my eyes would get glossy and I would start to tear up and I couldn't read these emails. They were too long. And it's because she's this creative person. She's a creative writer. She loves to write. And they're, they're great emails. I'm sure there's a volume of them somewhere you could read. But she would come to me after writing these emails and she would say, she would talk to me about something. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, when did you tell me this? And she goes, I emailed it to you. It was on page seven, paragraph three, subsection double B. And eventually what she would do is she started to think through how to communicate to me a little bit differently. She would still write these very long emails, but at the top of the emails, what she would do is she would write three or four bullet points. She goes, I still want you to read the whole email. The whole email is good. But if you don't read the whole email, these three or four bullet points are what you need to know. And I really appreciated that. And the reason I say that is because Paul has said all of these different things in, in this letter to the Corinthians. And he kind of goes back and forth and there's all sorts of things happening. He talks about love and he talks about unity and, and he talks about just all sorts of stuff. And he gets to the end of the letter and he gives us the bullet points. He, he gets to the end of the letter and he says, these are all good things. You need to read all of this. This is all good. But remember this. And he gives us these bullet points at the end of the letter. And so we're going to look at those bullet points today. But before we do that, I want to talk uh, especially to our Calvary kids and to our, our friends in our bridge ministries and to all of our middle school and high school students today. Uh, good morning. We're really happy that you're here. And so kids, make sure that you stick around after. We have our back to school jam. And so make sure you're sticking around afterwards here in Souderton. We have that today. But also, kids, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to help your parents out today. And so I'm going to actually tell you guys my three points up front. I'm not going to even tell your parents to not listen because maybe they'll need to hear it as well. But I'm going to tell you up front. And so here's what we're going to do. If you're online or you're here with your kid, you want to stand up. You're going to help me out with this a little bit. You want to stand up. Here's what we're going to do. When it comes to Jesus, when it comes to the gospel, we're going to do some motions to help us do this. When it comes to Jesus, when it comes to the gospel, we need to watch. So we're going to put on some binoculars right here or glasses or whatever. We need to watch. We need to stand. And so we're going to stand like really just strong. We're going to stand. And then we need to love. 
So when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to the good news of Jesus, we need to watch, we need to stand, and we need to love. And so kids, as I go along, I need you to tell your parents when they need to watch, stand, love as I go along. Help them out a little bit there. But we're going to be reading today from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. So again, kids, watch, stand, love. I'm going to talk to the grown-ups a little bit about this right now. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. That first part of be on your guard, actually, if we were to to look at it and and see how it could actually be translated, it actually says, be on your watch, watch, be on the watch. But what are we watching for? You know, it's interesting, if we were to look at uh, the early church, if we would look at the church during the time when this letter was actually written, one of the things that was so counterculture, one of the things that was so uh, wild and shocking was what the church actually believed in, what it stood for. What was shocking, what was shocking was the truth that they believed in Jesus being fully God and fully man, believing in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, believing that Jesus would return one day and restore everything and make things perfect. This was the shocking claim that the church was so counterculture to in its time. And unfortunately, I feel at times we here in America have become known more for what we are against than what we are for. And this shocking claim that we are for, we need to to live with it resonating in our heart. And what we need to understand is that the early church, when they were looking at this shocking claim, lived with this heart of readiness. They lived with this heart of readiness, looking straight at Jesus, keeping their eyes centrally focused on Jesus, waiting for that return. This was what motivated everything that they did. They lived with this heart of preparedness, with this heart of readiness. And this was the shocking counterculture claim that turned everything upside down. And I think at times, maybe what we need to do is begin to live a little bit more a life that is more focused on what we are for than what we are against. If we would just live with hearts of readiness, focusing on the truth of who Jesus is, his life, death, and resurrection, and that he is one day coming back. And so Paul creates these list of five commands. And he talks about them almost in this military tone. They're, they're very clear. They're very concise. They're short. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Do everything in love. He gives this rapid fire set of commands. And he tells us to live this life of readiness, looking forward to the day when Our King, Jesus, returns, living life not with that forgotten or in the back burner, but living that life at the forefront and the thing that we look forward to. And he tells us the way that we do that, the way that we live our lives by being on watch, the way that we live our lives by watching and focusing on Jesus, the way that we do that is we stand. We stand. We stand firm in the faith. When it comes to Jesus and the good news of the gospel, we need to live our lives with lives of readiness, be watched and focused on Jesus. And we live our lives by standing firm in the faith, firm in the truth of the gospel. 
And I think it's important for just a moment to actually just unpack that, maybe to either tell you for the first time the truth of the gospel or remind you, if you've heard the gospel uh, more than once, remind you of the truth of the gospel again today. And I don't want to just use my own words. I don't want to just kind of give you my own interpretation. What I want to do is I want to read another letter that Paul wrote to a bunch of Galatians in another church. And Paul writes this in the book of Galatians chapter four. He says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. I think what we need to do when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to the good news of Jesus, when we look at this reminder today, we need to start with the bad news. You can't really understand the good news if you don't understand the bad news. The bad news is that we all enter into the story as a sinner. And sin is when you do something that God doesn't want you to do, or you don't do something that God wants you to do. And when we sin, we declare outright rebellion against God. We outright reject him. And there's a very real consequence to that sin. There's death, there's hell. There's a very real consequence to that. But the beauty of the gospel is this. The beauty of the gospel is that God was not okay with leaving us at that part of the story. God was not okay with leaving us there. And so he sent his son to be born under the law, to live a perfect life under the law, and to die a death that he did not deserve. He dies his death, and then he is put in a tomb, and three days later, he walks out alive, eternally victorious. So that if you turn and accept Jesus as Lord, that consequence is taken away, and we are then called sons and daughters. God becomes our father. This is wild and amazing. And this was counterculture to everything that was around the church in Corinth. This was the shocking news that they claimed to. This was the shocking news that they died for. This is the shocking news that they were rejected for. And this is what they claimed. And it was the shocking news that gave them hope. And so when we look at the gospel and we look at this, this truth, we need to stand firm in our faith. And so if you've never accepted that truth, you can do that uh, today. You can talk to myself or any of our staff. You can just do that, talk to someone around you. If you've done that before, I ask that you just be reminded of the beauty of the gospel and you stand firm in the faith. And as you stand firm in the faith, I ask that you be brave and you be strong. You be brave and you be strong. It's really interesting when we look at the phrases that were used for that be brave and be strong Uh, the bible wasn't written in english and when we look at the phrases for that what we learn about is this that being brave in this passage in this letter actually referred to a courage that came from a maturity from a courage that came from no longer being a child no longer being immature This courage, this being brave, actually came from a transformational work inside our lives through the Holy Spirit. Additionally, if you were to look at be strong, the translation should actually be closer to be made strong. Be made 
strong. This strength and this courage are both reliant on God's work in us. This strength and this courage are both reliant on God's Holy Spirit working in us and transforming our lives. And the reason I think that it is so important to understand that when we talk about standing firm in the faith, when we talk about being brave and being strong, that we need to understand that it is not on our own strength. It's not on our own skill sets. It's not on our own abilities that we do that. It is through the work of God transforming us. The reason that I think that's important is because of this. I tend to think that at times I tend to practice Captain America Christianity. I tend to practice this Christianity that relies on some sort of strength that I can drum up. I tend to think that uh, this, this strength that I can just plow through whatever because I stand firm and my faith is so strong so I can just plow through whatever and it somehow puffs myself up instead of being reliant on God. And the truth of the matter is this. The being brave and being strong gospel style does not mean an absence of pain or an absence of difficulty. It does not mean an absence of tribulation. In fact, I would tend to say it's the opposite. Being brave and being strong gospel style is when you take a death blow and then you stand. Being brave and being gospel style, of being strong gospel style is when you take a death blow, and then you stand. I am a little bit of a geek. I'm a little bit of a nerd, and I really do like superheroes. And so I did watch all of the Marvel movies. And so if you have not watched them, I'm going to give you a spoiler. And if that's, that's too bad. You should have watched it already. It's been a long time. So here's the deal. I actually do love Captain America. And, you know, Captain America does all these crazy things. Like he fights the bad guys. No one can really go. He jumps out of an elevator like however many stories up, lands on the ground, gets up and starts running. It's amazing. He can run through walls. That's, the, that's Captain America. Captain America's bravest and strongest moment was none of those. Captain America's bravest and strongest moment was in Avengers Endgame. What happens is, is that this bad guy Thanos comes and he comes with all these bad guys, bad dudes with him. And they start to just beat up all of the heroes. They're all just kind of knocked out. And then Captain America, who has this shield that everyone's supposed to yield to, his shield gets broken in half. Everyone is done. Captain America's on the ground. He's bloodied up. He's beaten up. He's just tired. He's breathing heavily. And then he does his bravest and strongest moment ever. He simply stands up. He tightens that strap of that broken shield, and he stands up. He stands up. I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story. But when it comes to the gospel, our bravery and our strength is when we are beaten with a death blow and we stand up, we stand firm on the faith of the good news of Jesus. When it comes to Jesus, Jesus is a far more amazing person to look at because Captain America isn't the one we need to emulate. Captain America was dealt a death blow and then he stands up. Jesus took on death and a cross and actually died for us. And then on the third day, Jesus stood up. And because of that, because of that, we look to him clinging to his strength and his Holy Spirit in us to stand and be brave and be strong. And we do that 
as we live with hearts of readiness, as we watch, watching, looking at Jesus, focusing on his return, standing firm in the faith as we are brave and we, and, and we are strong, and then we continue on, continuing forward as we live out lives of love. We live out lives of love. The verse we read just said, do everything in love. I want to point out that it didn't say do everything with love. It said do everything in love. Love is not something that's added on. Love is not a side dish to the main course. It is the main course. It is the very essence of everything that we do. We've talked about love these past few weeks. Charles has been talking about 1 Corinthians 13. He's been giving us this description of love. Love is just not this thing that we add on to Christianity. It is the very essence. It is the main course of what we do. If you don't think that I am right, if you think I'm kind of exaggerating a little bit, let me read to you another letter that a man named John wrote. John writes in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. The Bible is serious about love. You don't think that's, let me give you another one, just, just in case, just in case. I'll read to you from 1 Peter chapter 1. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, Love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Let's just, actually, you know, let's just look at Jesus' own words found in the book of John. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Do everything in love. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, are we a church that is known because of our love? Are we known because of what we are against? And I'm not talking about Calvary Church. I'm talking about the church in general, not us, just, just simply us. I'm talking about the church in general. Has the church become someone that is known for its love or have we become just something that we've known for what we are against? Do everything, do everything in love. Everything must be done in love. It doesn't matter how well I intellectually know the Bible. It doesn't matter how well I can quote doctrine or theology or verses to you. It doesn't matter how gifted a preacher I may become or am or whatever. It doesn't matter how much rhetoric I use. None of that matters if I do not have love. It doesn't matter how many times I come to church on a Sunday, how much I give uh, in tithes and offering. None of that matters if I do not have love. It's worthless without love. All of my efforts, all that I can do is just worthless if I do not have love. Our values at Calvary Church are connect and impact. And what we've said is that as we connect with God and he impacts our lives, we are to connect with others and impact the lives of others. It is because of love that we are able to connect with God. We are transformed by the love of God. We are motivated by his love to connect with others. And we impact the lives of others through our love, communicating his love. All that we do, 
All that we do is done in love. All that we do is done and motivated by love. And I want to just talk a little bit about what that love is like. You know, we've talked these past few weeks on what a description of what love is and a description of what love is not. And Charles has done a great job about talking about that from 1 Corinthians 13. But if we're not careful, we can look at that and simply become a group of people who are nice. We can look at that and just look at that. If, and it's not what Charles was intending as he was teaching that, but we can look at that and we can just simply be a group of nice people. Love is so much deeper than that. John chapter 15, Jesus is talking and he says this. Verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. The command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. The gospel calls us to a self-sacrificing life. It calls us to a life that is continually in a cycle of dying to oneself, to then ascend in resurrection in Christ, to die to ourselves and rise in Christ. We are called to love in a way that is self-sacrificial, that is dying to ourselves. We are called to love other focused as we focus on Jesus and the love he showed to us. And so I have some homework for us this week. I have some homework for us this week. Here's the homework that we're going to do this week. We're going to go on a scavenger hunt. We're going to go on a scavenger hunt in five settings. We're going to go on a scavenger hunt in the setting of our family, in the setting of our community, in the setting of our church, in the setting of our finances, and the setting of our world. We're going to go on a scavenger hunt in the setting of our family, in the setting of our community, in the setting of our church, in the setting of our uh, finances, and the setting of our world. And here's the scavenger hunt. I'm going to go on this scavenger hunt, and the question I have as I go through this scavenger hunt is this. How am I bringing love to this setting? How am I bringing love to this setting? When it comes to my family, how am I bringing this self-sacrificing love, this dying to oneself love? How am I bringing that love to my family? When it comes to my community, to, to my workplace, to my neighborhood, how am I bringing this self-sacrificing love into this setting? When it comes to my church, when it comes to those around us right here, how am I bringing this self-sacrificing love to that setting? When it comes to my finances, how am I using my finances to bring love to this setting? When it comes to our world, when it comes to our world that we are a part of, how am I bringing love to that setting? And so I ask that we go on a scavenger hunt. And when you find where you are bringing love into those settings, I want you to celebrate like crazy. And I want you to thank God for the opportunities he's given you to do that. And if you find areas that you're not doing that, then let's just start doing that. We'll just start, we'll just start loving in those areas. We'll do that together. We'll do that together. Maybe Maybe what we need to do is... 
Maybe, maybe I need to make a meal for a neighbor who's just going through something. Maybe I just need to make dinner for one of my neighbors. Maybe I need to love and, and take some of my time that I really don't have a lot of and make a dinner for one of my neighbors. Maybe, maybe when I look around the world and I look uh, around the world and I see that there's countries that, that do not have much, that, that, that there are countries where, where children are hungry, maybe I need to partner with an organization like Compassion or World Vision, and, and, and maybe I need to love that way. Maybe I need to look into organizations that provide clean water for different countries, understanding that there are many places in this world that don't have access to clean water. Maybe I need to love my world by doing that. Maybe, maybe um, what I need to do is, is love on the teachers around me in my community, understanding that they are going through a situation like they've never been in. And while I'm a parent and it might be frustrating, those teachers are going through so much. Maybe I just need to send them an encouraging note. You know, for those of you who are watching online and, you, and usually you don't come to Calvary Church and this is really not your home church, but maybe for whatever reason you're not able to go to your church in this season, I, I ask you to do one thing. We, first of all, we're so glad you're here. Welcome. We ask that you just enjoy your time here. But one day you may be going back to your home church and what we ask is maybe you need to go to scavenger hunt in regards to your finances. Check in with your home church. Maybe you haven't been giving there because you haven't been going there. Maybe you're going to give when you return. Check in with your pastor. Check in with your church. We are passionate about the church as a whole, not just Calvary Church. And so your, your church needs you. So make sure you're checking in with them. Maybe we need to do a financial check to see where our giving is in regards to our love. And for those of you who've been giving so much, I just want to say thank you again for how much you've given here at Calvary Church. Maybe... Maybe in my family, I need to pick up the phone and call. Maybe I need to call that son or daughter that I haven't talked to in so long. Maybe I need to call that son or daughter that I've been fighting with and just haven't spoken to because they hurt me. But maybe, maybe if I do that, the thing is, maybe they're not going to answer the phone. Maybe they're going to hang up the phone. I just want to point out one thing. There are plenty of people who have rejected Jesus and rejected his offer of love. But that didn't stop him from going to the cross. We are called to love, not control the response to our love. We are just called to love sacrificially. So let's go on a scavenger hunt this week. Let's go on a scavenger hunt in our communities, in our church, in our finances, in our family, in our world, where am I bringing love to this situation? Love this week. Love this week. One more thing I want to talk about when we talk about loving this week is this. When we read the Bible, we see that God loved the world. God loved the whole world, and we are to love the whole world. But when we read about Jesus, one of the things that we read about Jesus and one of the observations we make is this. That love of Jesus as he's living this life on earth seems to be focused on this. The least, the last, and the lost. If you were to read his life, you would see that Jesus' life is focused on the least, the last, and the lost. I want you to love everyone. I want you to love everyone this week. But I want you to just pay attention to love the least, the last, and the lost. Let's do that this week. Let's go on a scavenger hunt. And so kids, our friends in Bridge, students, we're going to do it one time more again just in case our grown-ups don't know what to do. 
The whole point, these two verses is this. When it comes to the gospel, when it comes to Jesus, the good news of Jesus, we need to watch. We need to stand and we need to love. Let's do that this week. Will you join me as we pray? Lord, I thank you for your goodness and I thank you for your love. And Lord, your love is so powerful. It's a love that we tend to forget how strong and mighty it is. And Lord, I ask you that we would be overflowing with this love today. Lord, I ask you that this love will be what motivates everything we do. That it won't be something that we just add on as a nice thing to have or we're just nice people. But we would truly die to ourselves, putting others first, putting the least, the last, and the lost first as we love like Jesus. Give us your strength. Give us your courage and help us to stand firm in the faith. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.